listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn presents. Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Well, hi everyone. Welcome on in. Lisa Q is my guest today. Her name really is Lisa Quattrini, and I detect a little bit of an Italian origin in that voice. Would the name Quattrini happen to be of Italian origin, Lisa Q? You are very astute. Not only Italian origin, it means for money. So how can you go wrong with that? Oh no, well now we can we could misinterpret that statement from here <laughs> until the cows come home if we had to. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. Oh, we gotta be careful here. There's all kind <laughs> of jokes I could name, but I'm not gonna uh, do that. Well, thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me as your guest. Oh, absolutely. Now there was a song, you remember Susie Q? Yes. Well, see, that could be rewritten. Uh, you don't want to sing a verse of it, Lisa Q, do you? Well, I, I don't think you want to hear me sing, or the audience wants to hear me sing the verse of that, but I, I'd love to hear you do it. Oh, well, thank you, but I'm going to respectfully decline. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I'd let Credence Clearwater, CCR, do it. Oh, I was just talking about them the other day. It's, we're talking about... You know, with some friends, like I miss the days and when the what I consider to be like the real music days, the fun music days. And we were talking about CCR. That's one of my favorite bands. Right, exactly. Creedence Clearwater Revival, I guess their biggest hit. Although, to be honest with you, I got totally burnt out on it. It was called Proud Mary. You remember that? Yes, yes. Yeah, and then yeah. I Ike and Tina Turner redid it years ago. Remember that one? No, I didn't remember them doing that one. Did they do, how did, How was it in comparison? Oh, it started out as a ballad slow. You know, Left a good job in the city. And oh, yeah. You, you can hear Ike's voice, you know, in there with Tina and working on a, uh, every night and day. And then they picked it up and went 100 miles an hour and it became a fast song with the Ike and Tina Turner review, which was the band. It really, uh, they started slow and ended up gigantically fast, much faster than the real record by uh, the original by CCR. Well, you know what, Rick? That, that's just wrong. Well, they did it in their own. They did their own thing they to did. it. They did their own vibe. Yeah, they it was a, it was a, and then of course, Ike and Tina, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they got a divorce. Yes, I did. I yeah, did. yeah. I, I were... love Tina. I'm not a fan. I was not a fan of Ike, but Tina, yes. <laughs> well, Amazing. it got to the point where even Tina herself, I think, was probably not a fan of Ike or she would not have left him. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad she was able to keep the name, though. 
Right, and let's say this. Let's say that there were allegations made against Ike that were not very complimentary. Let's just leave it at that. But yeah, it just needs to stay there. Yeah, we'll we'll let it go at that. But that was the Ike and Tina Turner review. And yeah, CCR did have a hit with that song, Suzy Q. I think others did it as well. I just, I'm trying to think who it was. I'm thinking off the top of my head, but I'll go with CCR for now because that's the one that is etched in my mind. Oh, Suzy Q, I, baby, I love you, Suzy Q. You remember that? Yes, I do. There yeah. we go. So Lisa Quattrini, you are the yes. subject of, a, of an Italian mother and father or just one of the two? Well, it, it's interesting because I did the um, 23 and Me. And the blend is different than what I thought. So I am primarily Italian and 4%, get this, Rick, no one would guess this, 4% Finnish. Oh, from Finland. Yes. Well, yeah, so you, uh, no, I can go. I'll go with that because you have you have that Scandinavian uh, look about you. Isn't yeah. Finland near near uh, Scandinavia? Yes, it is. Sure you it's do. Dutch. It's right. All right. I'll go along with that. I'll go along with it. Although it's not exactly Scandinavian territory. That would be Norway, Sweden, and what's the third? Is it Finland? Nor I, I would have have to look that up. Yeah, I don't know my geography. It's been a while since I've been in geography class. But whatever it is, you do look, you look like you could be from Sweden. You look like you'd be come from, uh, let's say, Norway, uh, Norway, mm -hmm. Sweden, any anywhere over in the Scandinavian territory. You have that Swedish look. But Finland, I'm going to go along with that too. I'll give you that as a bonus. How's that? That I'll take it. I'll take it. When I uh, it was a bonus when I saw it because I thought, oh, I'd never in my wildest dreams would have thought that's what would come back. And you've never traveled over there. You've never been there. I haven't. No, not to Sweden. I mean, I've traveled a lot. I love to travel. I've been through. Well, of course, I've been to Italy a million times, but. Um, you know, I, I, that's one part I haven't been. I've been to London, most of Europe, but not, I have not been to the Scandinavian countries. Uh-huh. Right. Well, neither have I, uh, yet, but I'd sure like to go over there. And the UK is my second largest market that listens to this show. Other than the USA, market two would be the, uh, the UK, United Kingdom. And boy, I keep growing and growing over there. People like this show in, in London and, and throughout the UK. And I'm delighted to have all the listeners because I think they, it's a compliment to me because they they appreciate good quality broadcasting and podcasting and entertainment over there. Our brothers and sisters in the UK. Would you go along with that? I would definitely go along with that. And not only would I go along with that, the Brits are one of my favorite because they have a sense of humor not everyone can get and they're quite witty. Yeah, they are one of my favorite cultures to be part of and to visit. So I'm glad it's growing there. I love the UK. 
Oh, absolutely. And of course, we all remember what happened. I believe it was 1964 when a particular band appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show in America and changed everybody's life in the music business. I'm sure you know who that is. You're not talking about the Beatles now, are you? I would never do such a thing. Absolutely not. And then shortly thereafter came another band out of there, the Rolling Stones. Totally different. They were different than the Beatles. The Beatles had their nice suits and matching clothes, and they looked real good. And, And the Rolling Stones, everyone was dressed differently. You had Mick Jagger out front doing whatever it is he did, and that just depended upon what day of the week it was. Whatever he felt like doing, he did. And you know, I I will say, I'm seeing and I saw instantly there were qualities that were very similar between the lead singer of Aerosmith and Mick Jagger. They both have the lips. Yes, yes. Steven Tyler and Mick Jagger had the lips of rock and roll. Will you go along with that? I will definitely go along with that. And you know what? They they were gonna they were gonna do it their way, right? Because the Beatles came over. Because if you think about it, remember American Bandstand? That was Dick Clark. Yeah, that that show was out of Philadelphia, and then it moved from Philly out to the West Coast. Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's, that's very true. Steven Tyler and the Rolling Stones, re- really iconic band still to this day. Oh, absolutely. No, I've met Steven Tyler many years ago, back when he played at a place called the Cincinnati Gardens, and that was where the Beatles played when they came over and played in our area here as well. But that's when yeah. Aerosmith, they were first starting. They were not even able to fill the arena at that time. They were just starting out, so I've kind of watched them from when they began to what they were able to do in later years, which was was just they did it the hard way i'm just going to tell you point blank they started small they grew and they grew and grew and then the rest was history they managed to always produce a song over the years every now and then one after another after another that was saleable that could become a hit and i think that's what uh, caused them to be successful the songs Oh, I totally agree. And you know what's another good example of that um, is let's not forget about Freddie Mercury and Queen. I've met him. I've met Freddie Mercury not once. I met him twice. Mm -hmm. Oh, you lucky man. You Mm -hmm. lucky man. Absolutely. He used to come in every year when Queen was on the tour and they stayed at a hotel right near the nightclub where I was the DJ. And they came in the first year that they were on tour. Let me see. Freddie Mercury was there. Brian May, their guitarist, was there. Yeah, all four of them were there. And they, they came in and had such a good time. The next year when they were on tour, they came back again. Oh, we loved it. And then, of course, after the second appearance, I never got to see them again. And it was after that I learned years later that Freddie had passed on. But they were very nice to have, very polite, very quiet. They were not overly rambunctious or that they would tear the nightclub up or do anything bad like that. They, uh, right, yeah. they were, they, it was a high class joint and they acted in, in that 
that manner. We had them upstairs in what was called our VIP area. So they were kind of cut off from the the general public unless you had a membership in our VIP area, which overlooked the main club through glass. It was uh, just a spectacular place. And we had a lot of celebrities come in. There were limousines and celebrities in there on a weekly basis. So that was nothing new. But Freddie Mercury and Queen, it was two years of my life that I'll never forget. And we had Billy Squire, who did that record, The Stroke, if you remember him. And he did another yes. another yes. song called Everybody Wants You. He was there. <laughs> That's right. Everybody Wants You. There you go. That's Billy Squire. He was on Capitol Records. He came in twice. We had ZZ Top. We had Tom Jones in there, the singer, the ladies crooner. Tom Jones was in there twice. And in his case, he came in on a Friday and we locked the doors and kept them in. We shouldn't have done it, but we kept them in past the 2.30 time limit. But we did that because the doors were locked. Nobody could get in. And he had such a great evening. He said, listen, I'm playing a concert again tomorrow. So he was at the theater Friday night. He was at the theater Saturday. He says, if I come back here tomorrow night after my show, can we do this again? And our general manager at the time, oh, yes, yes, come on back, come on back. And darn it, the very next night after his show was over, here he came again, singer Tom Jones. I used to watch him on TV when he had his own television show. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I mean, you know the one thing about Tom Jones that I so appreciate? it He crosses all age barriers. Oh, and yeah. I don't know anyone that doesn't like Tom Tom Jones and and if you go regardless of where you go when he plays that one song Sweet Caroline and you you they stomp at that same spot of the song do you know what I'm talking about well, Yeah Sweet Caroline my friend was by Neil Diamond I believe Okay well then we're not going to give that to Tom Jones. He he did he did uh, what was his hit? It's not unusual to be oh, loved yeah. by anyone. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's it. That was one that he had, and he had others beside that. But it's not unusual. His TV show used to begin. I think what did they say, ladies and gentlemen? This is Tom Jones, and then he'd go and didn't he sing this? It's not unusual for his theme song. I can't remember. He, he, he might have. I, for some reason, I, I'm in, I'm envisioning him wearing a white suit. Now I don't. I can't recall that. I can't recall that, but I do know that it was Neil Diamond that who my mother loved. My mother loved Neil Diamond. I never got a chance to meet Neil Diamond, or, or he never came in or I was uh, performing. But yeah, Neil Diamond did. It's um, the the record you referred to, Sweet yeah, Caroline. I'm yeah, I'm probably all all the fans of of both of them will probably come after me, but they're very similar, don't you think? In well, terms yeah. Of audience and style and so that's right yeah. sweet caroline good times never been so good 
Yes. I've been inclined to, and then it went on and on. It's, God, you're taking me back. Oh, you're taking me back. But, yeah, my mother. Oh, my mother. Uh, the lady loved him. The lady She loved Neil Diamond. Uh, I'm telling you what. She certainly did. And you know what? The ladies loved that darn Tom Jones, too. I know. I, I mix them up because, to me, they're so, so similar. Exactly. So yeah, yes. they sure are. But Lisa, you say that, and I quote, this is what you say. You say, everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. Will you stand by that quote or do you wish to extract it at this time? No, I will definitely stand by that quote. Well, what I have been saying in my years in this business, and I think it's going to be very similar to to what you're saying, but I have it just a little bit differently because I learned many years ago in the early 1970s when I was in the newspaper writing business as a columnist, I used to say there's a feature story in everyone. You say everyone has a story. I say there's a feature story in everyone. I believe, ma'am, you and I are basically saying the exact same thing. We are. Everyone has a story. The problem is you have to listen. It's very People have a lot of interesting stories. Right. And it's up to the host to find out where that story is and bring it out. Will you go along with that? I sure will. So on your anchor podcast, what's it called? It's uh, LQ. Give me the title. I will. It's called LQ Unscripted. There you go. Unscripted. So you're an ad lib speaker. Would that be correct? That's correct. I don't want any any notes. I don't want any pre-approved questions. I want people just to come on and just tell their story. There you go. Real human stories. It's no wonder you're on my show because that's my philosophy. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I do not I do not go with advanced questions in advance to the guests. No, I do not. I like ad-libbing. I like off the cuff and I like people that just are fluent enough to tell the story. Exactly. I don't want to be overproduced. I don't want people to put thoughts in my head. I don't want business people to tell me what people want to hear because they don't know. We get enough of that now with social media. Unfortunately, that's true. Yes. Yes. For example, as bad as what it may sound, I believe that there definitely is, even in people that you would not associate with fabulous deeds, such as at the big house, in the prisons, or, or, or whatnot, I believe you could walk through there if you were allowed, if you were given the access, even though it could be dangerous. I believe that if the situation were allowed to happen and the time was right, if you could just talk to people regularly, normally, you'll find that even people who have an 
ugly side to them, quote unquote, who you may not associate with being the most caring or the most uplifting type person. I believe there is something about everybody that if you can look down and find it, it would be something that shows that they do have a heart, that they do have a good side to them, end quote. And then I do believe, I think they call it the bad seed theory. There are some bad seeds who wouldn't tell you a good thing because it is against their reputation, you see. Mm, yes. You know that what's so interesting about that is um, you know, you, you look at you look at society and society's perception of things. And, you know, I often have this conversation because I talk to a lot of homeless people on the street because I want to know about their story, because not everybody falls into the same category when you talk to them. And um, they some of them just have some truly amazing stories just down on your luck. So I think that you I do agree with you. There are some bad seeds out there, but for the most part, I think people are true and good. And, you know, just sometimes they don't get the breaks everyone else does. There, but for the grace of God, go I. That homeless person on that street, that could be you or that could be me. I'm telling you, it could be anybody. I would never put down someone, although I do believe that if you are physically and mentally able, and that requires both, not just one or the other, but assuming you are physically and mentally able, I believe there's a job out there for everyone. I totally agree. And I I think we can tackle that problem and solve it. You know, it, it's complex and there's layers to it, sure, but it can be solved. We just don't want to solve it. It's not a, we don't, there's no money to be made in it, right? So we don't solve it. True. Yes. Yes. Well, we had, back when I was in college, we had one of my professors, he was hired in what they called a think tank, where they got together a bunch of brilliant minds that knew sociology, that knew how to deal with the problem of this overstaffing in the jails and the prisons and so forth. So they hired this group from my college, these people from other colleges, and they had PhDs and all these people together, and they would meet every so often. And they no sooner got the groups together, and it took them about a month, and they had it down very quickly. By that, I mean it, about a month. And they had 50% of our prisons in our particular state emptied, where if you would accept what they had on paper, they could empty them out. And then the actual meeting itself happened as they were announcing their, their plans that they had made with the, the various committees and the various thinkers in the think tank, all of whom were distinguished people and very smart. And they had a speaker come up and said, well, now I don't believe we should be doing this. I, I really must not agree. You're taking our clients and our clients know they're very happy in this prison. Why? We don't want to lose our clients. How dare you take 50% of our clients? And to them, I don't know what they were, bureaucrats, call them whatever you want. 
the people in the prison were, quote, our clients. They were there to make money. They were there. The, the, the people did not want to lose the money by losing their clients. And the whole thing, when I was a kid, uh, you know, junior or senior in college, I realized right then and there what it was about. It's about money. It's not about solving anything. It's it's you're so right. It's totally about money because if if you um, there's actually a pretty good documentary out there called The Thirteenth that um, depicts the whole um, incarceration issue and how it, it rose. And I think it started back what when uh, Reagan was president and the three strikes law. And it's totally a business. It's absolutely a business. And it's it's pretty interesting if you want to watch that documentary. And it's called 13? Oh, the 13th. Oh, the 13th. Yes. All right. Yes. I remember the old Gipper, you know? Yes. <laughs> a Hollywood actor turned president. Ronald yes, Reagan. Exactly. And yeah, then, Reaganomics. Yeah, Reaganomics and his Reaganomics. dear wife. Remember his dear wife, Nancy? Oh, Nancy. Remember? Oh, she said, All right, children. You know <laughs> what I say. Just say. Remember what she used to tell the children? Just say no to drugs. Just say no. Uh, Nancy, what do you have to say here in the next city? Up, oh, remember, just say no. Up, oh, we're on a, we're on tour, Nancy. What do you have to say to this city? I'm going to tell them, just say no. She said a lot of no's. She did. I think she even had like bumper stickers and and, and things that she was campaigning around. And I, you know, you just want to say, come on, Nancy, like just say yes to food. Well, oh yeah, no, that's true. That's subject to opinion as well, because Bush Sr., not Junior, Bush Sr. put out the memo to his chefs, I don't want broccoli served at the White House. You remember that? I didn't know that. Oh, yes. He put out the memo. He said, I hate broccoli. I don't want it. I don't want broccoli served at my White House. And you know what? I eat Chinese food. There's broccoli all over it. I love the. I don't mind broccoli at all. It doesn't offend me. You know, Rick, you could do some pretty funny memes with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. Really good. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, I go out a lot. And speaking of which, back to the homeless, I wanted to tell you that we went out recently. By recently, it was a couple months ago because we go out a lot. But we went to a, um, a very popular, very well-known seafood outlet. And there was a what purported to be some type of um, panhandling slash may have been homeless, may not have been homeless female, very spaced out and um, not unkempt in her appearance. There was something going on wrong. And she did not approach me. She approached the young lady that I was with and she asked for money. The young lady I was with, I did not hear the uh, the pitch made, but I arrived from the inside of the restaurant out to the lot. After the pitch had been made, 
But I did hear her response because I was out there at the time. Here's what she said. She said, right next door was a um, one of these fast food joints. Uh, I guess it was hamburgers or chicken. I forget which, which joint it was. But she said, I'm not going to give you money. But if you're hungry, we'll go next door and I will buy you something to eat so you don't have to be hungry. And do you know, do you want to take a guess what this alleged homeless female told her? Um, probably told her, no, she did not want the food. She wanted the money. That is exactly what happened. And I mean, I was there to hear it. Exactly what happened. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm not looking for the food. No, I'm not hungry. No, I'm looking for the money. Finally, I had the woman just, I dismissed the lady and got her out of there. And away she went. She did not wish to have the money. So you know what? What purports to be a homeless person is not always a homeless person. I think it was ABC News and the 2020 or one of these broadcasts that they did. They followed one of the women that was on the corner uh, panhandling with a sign about being homeless, this, that, and the other. And they waited till her shift, quote unquote, was over. And she was walking away from the corner. And damn, I'm telling you, Lisa, didn't they follow that woman? And it's a true story. They followed her to a Mercedes Benz that she had parked several blocks away. Oh, my. Oh, that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I always wondered about that because, you know, when I used to live in San Francisco and um, of course, you know, they have a, a pretty good homeless population there. And um, a similar situation happened where I was walking with my daughter and there was a homeless person and she gave her a granola bar because she thought she was hungry. And the lady throws it back at her and says, I don't want this damn granola bar. So it was like, you, that was a real wake up call. And then I don't know if you've been to um, Italy, but there tends to be like a lot of gypsies there. And, you know, they're always panhandling for things. And then you walk around the corner and they're on their cell phone and talking to their friends. So I think there's legit and then not legit homeless. Well, my father, God love him, he was in New York to teach a seminar and he was there staying at a hotel. He was there by himself. He flew up there. His company flew him up there. They were holding some type of a educational thing where they were training this and that new employees or something from all over the country. He was there, one of the speakers, one of the teachers. He was there walking down the street in in New York City. And he went from the hotel where he was on foot and he was going to go. I guess he had eaten at the hotel for breakfast on other days and he wanted to do something else. So they probably referred him, knowing my dad, he asked somebody, hey, where do you get a good home cooked breakfast around here? That's not the hotel. They said, well, you go down a block and turn right and it's, and I know that's what my dad was doing. He wouldn't just be out there walking, doing nothing without a purpose. He knew where he was going, but he was walking down there to go have breakfast by himself. He passes the street corner of 
a gentleman, not a woman. This was a man that had the sign. Homeless, anything will help. Thank you. He said, look, I'm getting ready to go and have breakfast right now. Come on with me. We'll sit down. We'll have breakfast. It's on me. It won't cost you a dime. Guess what that man told my father? <laughs> I, I know what he told him. He yeah. probably told him, absolutely not. <laughs> he said, I am not interested. I'm not <laughs> interested. He flat out right refused to have my dad take him into a restaurant and purchase the meal for him. I'm telling you, Lisa Q, they do not want the food. They don't. And let me tell you, now they have props. You know, I don't like when they have the dogs and the kids and all the props. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that before. I've seen, what did I see once? I saw a woman with two children, minor. I'm talking, I don't mean babies. I mean, I'd put them first, third grade, something like that, standing next to the mom as she was panhandling for money. And you know what? I couldn't say anything to her because I was in a car at the time. I was not on foot. But yeah, I don't think that I'm not really a fan of when they use the children as a prop or something like that. The props can go as far as I'm concerned. I agree with you, Rick. That really does piss me off. Yeah, I don't care for it at all. But ladies and gentlemen, everything you see, don't believe. And believe, well, wait, don't believe everything you hear and don't believe about half of what you see. (laughs) It's not always true. that's, That's a great lesson. And, you know, you can apply that to really anything, right? Because you could, let's just use a random example, meet somebody, think they're the nicest person in the world. And, you know, they can only hold that for a certain period of time. And it's not always what you seem. So it's very true. People are, can be pretty naive just because they're good people and they, they're trusting, but it's not always the best move. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Quattrini is here. She says everyone has a story. And boy, don't they ever. Lisa is a voiceover artist. She's a podcast host. LQ Unscripted. And she is a curator and a storyteller. Curator, I don't use that word very much. I looked it up, and the only time I've ever heard of that word is in relation to a museum. And the curator is somebody who presides over a collection, much like the curator at an art institute or at a museum. I'm sure if we were to go to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., you would definitely find a curator there, multiple curators, since they have multiple collections. Now, how does collecting go into your life, Lisa? I will tell you, because I'm a huge art fan, and you know, art is very subjective, and art has is full of emotion, and I think ties to music in a lot of different ways. And why I chose curating is because I don't I don't like me to anything. So I want to curate what I find interesting and not what's mainstream. I want to go off the grid against the grid. So that's, I want to curate different things than people don't have exposure to. 
Because you, you, know, you know how it goes, right? They're always, oh, that's not going to work or people won't like that or, oh, you can't do that. Well, watch me. I'm going to do all of those things. I'm going to curate my own story, my own type of persona. Right. You're not going to go with the uh, the grain. Sometime you probably will. Well, only, only if you have to, because there's compromise in everything, but not at the expense of your, what you're passionate about. Right. And you're passionate about art? I'm passionate about art, music, artists, you know, all of those things that I think that they're, they're highly talented people. And, you know, just my opinion, just my opinion, I think oftentimes they're usually not the best business people. And I think they get taken advantage of. And I'd like to see that change. Well, I'm going to tell you something, ma'am. Having, as you may suspect, (laughs) known many of them, some of the worst, worst possible business examples I have ever seen in my entire life has come out of the rock and roll community. And I don't necessarily mean the ones who were successful at it, but as I watched them growing up over the years and I'd meet them at the radio station, I'd meet them at the television station, I'd meet them in the nightclub. These men and women, they did not have a clue. They were afraid to be business quote unquote people because they were afraid it would impair their social image, if you know what I mean. Yes, yes. And and oftentimes because they're so incredibly talented and creative and use that side of their brain that it's you don't really find a good balance of both. And that's why what makes people great artists. So I have a tremendous amount of respect of creative people of all kinds. So I'm a, I'm trying to be an advocate for for the artist. Right. Here's what I'd like you to tell them the next time you you have that conversation. Tell them, Ms. Lisa, that there is nothing wrong with getting paid for what you do if the market will allow that to happen. They seem to feel it's a criminal offense to receive a paycheck. Hence the old saying, what is a musician? A musician is somebody who will spend $5,000 on equipment to drive 500 miles to make $50. It's so true. It's so true because they don't know how to value their art, you know? There you go. That's the problem. And, you know, these people come in and and try to manage that. And oftentimes, you know, that that goes south. It goes south real fast. Yeah. Hey, Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. Hey, by the way, there was a musical group. Lisa, Lisa and the Call Jam featuring Full Force. You remember? I wonder if if he'll take me home tonight. Uh, Yeah, that was their song that I can recall. Lisa, Lisa and the Call Jam. I wonder wonder if you'll take me home tonight. Well, the answer to that probably will be no, but I love Lisa, Lisa and the Call Jam. There you go. Say that to me too, you know, I, they have all kinds of puns. I, you got to make fun of yourself, right? Absolutely. I do. Yes. Yeah. If you, you can't, yeah. If you can't make fun of yourself, uh, you know, shame on you, shame on you. Yeah.
Exactly. That's what life's about. Enjoy it. Right. People get caught up in too many, you know, things that don't mean anything or matter. Right. Well, everything is worth what the market will bear. And if you're talented, I don't find it to be wrong that you're able to make a living at it. And there are people in the rock and roll field that I've known and met. And I'm telling you, Lisa, they feel I used to talk to the young DJs coming up mm. after I'd been in it for years. And I'd talk to these young youth trying to be a DJ. And I say trying to be because not a damn one of them lasted longer than a year. And most of them not even anywhere near that. But they say, oh, yeah, well, I, I'm i just happy to do it. I I don't really need to, you know, to be paid for it. That's why I don't really care what they pay me or or anything like that. And and you hear that so often, I don't even argue with them anymore. Okay, bro, you go. Try to support your family on that mentality, you know? Exactly. And giving your genius up for right. somebody to buy and resell and make, you know, 10x. So mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one, Rick. I'm, there you I'm go. with you on that one. There you go. They'll they'll get hired elsewhere and in their mind, they will expect when they go elsewhere that elsewhere is going to give them a paycheck and let them do this, that, or the other in exchange for the pay. But when they play music somehow, you know, ah, what the hell? We'll do that for free. Are you kidding me? Mm, I know. I know. Hopefully it'll change one day. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, you don't. You really don't know. So there is a story in everybody you meet. Do you have a heartwarming story you can tell me other than the fact that there are homeless people out on the streets <laughs> telling you how bad it is but when you want to buy them food as evidenced by the young lady that just accompanied me to the seafood joint and was refused and my own father in New York City who was refused after both of them said I'll buy you your food I'll buy you your meal I don't want you to go hungry and other than that Do you have anything that is heartwarming that you've heard that can be an inspiration to the people who are listening? I I do. This is sort of how I live my life, and and I truly believe this. I think that if you see, you never know what people are going through at any given point in time when you interact with them. So always be kind, always do the right thing, always be lift people up. Don't be jealous. Don't be envious. You want people to win. We empower women. I'd like to see more empowerment in women and people in general. I think, you know, as humanity, you, we need to we need to treat our planet better, our animals better, our neighbors better. It just we need a shift. Our moral compass is way out of whack. Right. Well, I have always been pro women's rights. That's very common knowledge. And I wouldn't change it for the world because like I've said before on this very show, I've said it. If a woman were to come in and do the identical job that I'm doing, Mm -hmm. I think that woman, I mean, assuming you're comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges, if it's the same comparison. Now, there may be times a woman could come in 
but they're not going to edit the show. They're not going to do this. They're not going to do that. Now, under in that case, I would understand where it would be a reduced rate. But assuming you're comparing apples to apples, if women or a woman did this job, that woman should be paid what a man makes. Will you say right on to that? I will say right on, right on. And women need to stop over explaining themselves. Men don't do that in business, right? They, they just, you know, make decisions. I think, yes, I would say right on to that. I'd like, but it's changing. So that's, that's good. It's not parody isn't here yet, but it will be at one point. No, I just had Sabrina, our house attorney, a beautiful woman in her own right on here. And she said it is nowhere near over with. In fact, she quoted some percentage, 78% or I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but she quoted a figure of the women that work, but do not make what a man makes doing the same job. And that's a shame. Oh, I don't care oh, for and it. That's a fact. That's a, that's a fact. And I don't know what the latest stats are on that, but it, it used to be, don't, I mean, I, I'm not saying this as, as exactly the truth because I haven't looked it up, but it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 60 cents to the dollar or 75 cents to the dollar, but it was never equal. Right. That's yeah. What I believe her, her statement was 70 some percent. But like I say, I don't want to guess when I don't have the figures in front of me. I have no figures in front of me at all. I'm ad libbing the show because you like to ad lib. I like to ad lib. And I'm just delighted. Lisa Q, you are in what you're in Texas, are you? I am in Dallas, Texas, but originally from, um, well, I actually lived a lot of different places, mainly in California, but I'm in uh, Dallas now. All right. Very, very well. Now, you had a show out of Dallas. Ironically enough, you're never going to believe it, but the show on TV was called Dallas. Do you remember that <laughs> with old JR? I, I do. And you want to know what's even funnier than that, Rick? Where Because my mother lives out here and right around the corner is where they they filmed the show. So right. they actually do tours of that. Oh, yes. JR, I'm telling you, I know it was a TV show. I know it was sensationalized. And that doggone JR was as crooked and as dishonest and as criminal minded as the day is long. But you know oh. what? There are men out there, and women too, not just men. They think the more crooked you are, uh, the more entertaining. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, I feel sorry for them if they're like that in real life because a lot of people come to America and they come over here because they feel that there are, unlike their home countries, which are under a lot stricter rule and which does not have the court system in place that we do, they come over here and they use the laws of the United States in which to delay and delay and delay and play the system and it gives them more time to be dishonest and extract more illegal money from the system, if you know what I mean. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. I know, I know. You just have to hope one day that, you know, it trues up, karma trues it up somewhere down the line. Absolutely. Your favorite stories, Lisa, to do on the podcast or wherever you go, what are they? Are they stories of hope? Are they stories of sadness? Are they artistic and musical? What are they? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, it's it's like a pretty eclectic because, and then I was thinking I probably need to start cataloging or categorizing the different shows, but I do like inspirational shows and I do like down on your luck, rise to the top type of type of stories, art and music, love, 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 love. Do I'll do that all day. I like what I want to get more involved in is going out on the street more and doing interviews with real people. I don't know about what topics. I'll probably just ad lib it. But I think that to me is really fun going out to different places. I was just talking to a guy yesterday, did a podcast with this guy. In, oh, in one of your favorite places in the UK. So we thought wouldn't it, it would be cool to, we're going to pick a day and we're going to live stream a pub crawl, me in the US with my friends and him in the UK with his friends and we'll do a we'll do a pub crawl. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Very, very well. Well, I've never seen that done. But you know what I will alert you to the fact is, and I'm a little older than you, I don't know if you can recall, but the Tonight Show, after it began, who was it? There, I think it was, um, was it Steve Allen was a guy who, it was Steve Allen or Jack Parr, one of the two became known as, they were both hosts for the Tonight Show. This was before Johnny Carson, way before, oh, way before then. Yes, back when black and white TV was, was the only TV you could get. And I think it was Steve Allen, if I'm not mistaken, he was a host slash comedian. He did a segment called The Man on the Street. And if you'll research that under Steve Allen, Man on the Street, you'll get a picture of the gentleman who was probably the first in broadcasting to do what it is that you're uh, discussing doing. I would highly recommend you check out the early films if you can watch them of Steve Allen, because the, a lot of what he did would apply to this day. Oh, thank you for the recommendation. I'm going to definitely do that because I think that'd be kind of cool. I think it would be adventurous and cool. And I don't know, I'll probably get in some kind of trouble, but um, you know, I think it would just as, cause I do so much traveling. I think it'd be super fun. Right. That is one of the quintessential staples of the broadcast industry right there. The old man on the street. Jay Leno used to do that, if you can recall, where he'd be in the shopping mall or on the boardwalk and he'd hold up a photo and the photo would be of the vice president of the United States. And here would come. uh, We have a young lady here. Come on over here, ma'am. Who is this? And they'd look and they'd look. Remember all that? And they'd have yeah. no idea. No, they David would guess. David did that too. Didn't oh, he oh, he was famous <laughs> for it. David <laughs> David Letterman would. <laughs> he would go out on the street always because Letterman's strong point was that he was always an exceptional ad libber on the mic. Oh, he can make you laugh a uh, very easily, but yeah, he would do the same. And with, uh, that young, young audience, he was, his ratings never were what I expected them to be. They were lower in my opinion. I don't know why. I think it was because he just, for some reason, he could not garner the ratings that Leno had 
but both of them were quite good on the microphone, especially on that man or woman on the street interview situation where they didn't. I mean, one of the funniest Letterman bits I ever heard in my life was when he commandeered the drive through window at a Wendy's. Do you remember that? I do, yes. Oh, it was hilarious. Now that it, you know, now that could have been pre-prepared, and I'll bet you it was. But boy, by the time they recorded it, it still came across that it was off the cuff. I don't think that that was unprepared because I don't think the corporation would allow that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to their to their beloved uh, customers. You know. Yeah, probably not. And you know what I think that that is surprising because I didn't know. Um, David Letterman's ratings were lower, but I, I do think both are equally talented, Jay Leno and David Letterman. But David Letterman, here would be my guess on that one, my take on that one. He, to me, and not that Jay Leno is not intelligent, I'm not saying that, but he's so intelligent that I think a lot of his, his um, you know, whips, they go over people's head. They don't catch it, how funny he really is. Right. Oh, no. He could be very funny. But yeah, a lot of his humor did not, it, it did not resonate with everybody no. that heard it. Let's put it that way. Yes, for sure. Whereas for sure. Leno, I think Leno appealed more to quote the common man, end quote. Exactly. Exactly. And that's going to bring you in the numbers right there. I know. But at the end of the day, what is really the better, you know, the better show? Right. Well, let's just put, let's let me bring in a third. Let me bring in Conan O'Brien, who who had the Tonight Show. And within four months or so, he lost 50% of their audience. Uh, I didn't realize that. Oh my God! It was a disaster. Yeah, that, uh, it was who a. Who did they put in after Conan? Who took over that? They gave it back to Jay Leno. Oh, they did. Leno Jimmy had Mouth, retired. Everybody. Yeah, Leno retired. They gave it to Conan, and then Leno came back again. Ah. Uh. And and yeah, by the way, when he came, when he did that, he was able to uh, regain um, the uh, the audience. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot of pressure, right? Oh, I'm sure it is. Yes, but hey, if it's uh, you put together a good staff and you can do it, I'm glad that you had David Letterman. Remember, he went in for a routine dress test. And he had to take time off. I think they operated on him after a routine stress test showed that there was a heart problem. And I don't know if they did open heart surgery or what, but he credited those doctors after the stress test he took with saving his life. So I always, I was delighted that he got in there on time. Never let the heart be undiagnosed. If you have a problem, get on it. Get on it. Right, right. Because and most of the time people don't even realize that there's an issue. Right. So, yeah. Hey, David Letterman has a new show, I believe now, where he just does one on ones. Is that still on? I watched a commercial for that on the cable over here. So, yeah, I believe he does have the show. However, I've never watched it. I've never seen it. And to be honest with you, Lisa, with doing this show, I am so it takes me 16 hours approximately to 
edit each one hour show so i mean it's no piece of cake when you're doing it it takes hours and hours to do well tell me about it i thought you know because i was just bored because i was working remote and not used to working remote and so i said oh i'll just start a podcast thinking oh well i don't know how to do it but how hard could it be and oh boy it's it's a lot of work it's like a full-time job yeah no that's for sure but when you're retired as i am you look forward to it it does give me a lot to do and lord almighty nobody will ever accuse me of not meeting the interesting people i absolutely love it i do too and you get so much joy out of it i mean i i i'm not doing it to make money or anything like that it's just it's so i've met so many incredible people that i probably will end up keeping us friends for a lifetime that is wonderful yeah i got stopped the other day they said oh rick well they knew me from years ago uh back in the dj on radio days rick you're a celebrity now you're meeting all these people blah 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 and and this and that and the other oh how do you feel how do you feel i said oh calm down calm down i said (laughs) that and 55 cents will get you a cup of coffee (laughs) Yes. And do you want my autograph while I'm here? (laughs) Yeah, right. It means nothing. Uh Uh-uh. That in 55 cents will get you a cup of coffee. I'm telling you, it is a job when the day is done and... I'm lying in bed trying to rest my body. The work that I've done will stand on its own right. And there Mm -hmm. ain't no celebrities around at that time paying my bills or, or waiting on me in my home. You know, I'll take out the garbage if need be. Amen to that. And a lot of people, they can't fathom the thought that on one moment you have people applauding you, telling you how great you are, and then the next hour or two, you're back at home taking out the garbage. They can't handle that, so they take their own life, and away they go. And shame on you. You know, you people, I I wish you'd just get a grip and realize that, you know, life is about a whole lot of different situations, and adapt to them all. You're not not above any of that. You're just a regular person. You put your pants on one leg at a time, just like everyone else. Just like everyone else. It's about be, be present, be awake, be aware, look around, enjoy, you know, there's so much to see. All right. you You have a young daughter. Did I hear you say? I do have a daughter. She's, she's not young, but I do have a daughter. She's an artist. Oh really? Does she sing or what? No, she she's not a musical artist. She um she does copywriting. She works for an ad agency and she does copy work and um she does um get this uh, stand up comedian. Oh lord! At night. Oh my! <laughs> oh my! Oh my! You don't look old enough to have a daughter. That that the woman has to be over eighteen years of age. She is. Is she, she is. over 21 years of age? She is. Oh, my God. I'd have never predicted that. Never she predicted. Is. You don't look. You look to be in your 20s yourself. I know. I'm blessed because we have good genes. Everyone in our family looks very young. But, um, yeah, she's trying to get her thing going. You know, it takes, you know how it goes. It takes a I while know. to build up. Right. You, know? you have those good finished genes, right? Yes, I do. 
All righty. Well, I'll tell you what, Lisa Q, where do people get a hold of you if they would like to say, I would like to get a hold of Lisa? I heard her on a podcast. Tell them where to go and what to do to get a hold of you, as well as what your podcast is and where to listen to that. Okay, perfect. Well, they can find me on uh, YouTube. It's LQ Unscripted. They can email me at lquatrini at gmail.com. That's L-Q-U-A-T-T-R-I-N-I at gmail.com. And also on Spotify, Anchor, all the, you know, all the usual streaming outlets. And I'd love to hear from people. Very, very well. Lisa Quattrini has been our guest for the hour, ladies and gentlemen. She is a voiceover artist. She's a podcast host. She is a curator. She is a master storyteller. And she says, quote, everyone has a story. It has been a delight to feature Lisa. This is her first time on my podcast. Thank you for coming on. We've had this book for a couple months, Lisa, so I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to finally talk with you, and I'm glad we could get it together. I hope you enjoyed yourself. We'll have to do it again sometime. Oh, Rick, thank you so much for having me as your guest. It was so much fun. Such a delight. Thank you. You're a wonderful host. And I would love to do it again. At this time, I think we'll just have you say, good night, Lisa. Good night, Lisa. It has been a great time, everyone. This is Rick Flynn speaking. It's been fun, but I've got to run. On behalf of myself and our special guest today, Lisa Quattrini. You can look her up and find her all over social media. LQ Unscripted, her podcast. Everyone has a story. They sure do. And we've had a great time. Thank you at home. Thank you all throughout the world, especially to our audience over in the United Kingdom. It's been great. Thank you, everyone. Have a good evening. Good night. The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.